Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Editor's Desk here on Biz News Radio with me, Felicity Duncan, and Biz News Editor-in-Chief Alec Hug. Alec, there was a, a very interesting um, interview that we put up on Biz News this week looking at the story of Glencore and what, what we call Oilgate. Essentially what happened there is that uh, the billions of rands worth of oil reserves in South Africa was sold improperly, right, without following, and by improperly I mean without following the standard processes that we would expect to see for this kind of government tender, um, was sold and uh, ended up in the hands of the well-known um, resources company Glencore, which is a company that operates in a lot of uh, a lot of countries that other oil companies fear to tread in, right? Um, they have a lot of operations up in, in West Africa and Central Africa where perhaps other more conservative players like Chevron or who, whoever, they don't really want to go there because they feel like it's too um, risky. Uh, but Glencore is in those spaces and they've, they've you know, produced great results and, and whatnot, but they've also gotten themselves into quite a fair amount of trouble over the years. Um, and they were involved in, in this uh, oil deal, which essentially involved buying the oil reserves at a rock bottom price, really undervalued what the country has, undervalued this natural resource. Um, that deal happened. And now there's a lot happening in that space to reverse it. Do you want to explain to us a little bit about um, the moves that uh, civil society in South Africa is taking to to get things turned around? Yeah, it's such a great story. At the time of Nenegate in December 2015, all attention seemed to be on what was going on with the Ministry of Finance, the collapsing stock market, the the uh, the weekend special finance minister Des Van Royen and then Pravin Gordon who was forced back on Zuma while all of this was going on no one's really paying attention to a very very stinky deal where the, the South African 10, 10 million barrels of oil uh, which is the strategic reserve in other words if there's some catastrophe around the world and you can't get oil in, into the country you've at least got these 10 million barrels which will keep you going for a few weeks so that strategic reserve most countries around the world have got them Ours was sold at below the market price in a market, in a contango market, where, in other words, into the future, if you just sold that, instead of selling the, the, the spot today, if you sold it as a future, because the oil price was so low, you would have got more on the futures market. So that's the last time that you ever sell anything spot in that kind of a market situation. Anyway, it, it happened. Uh, it happened under the radar. It was then uncovered some months later, and now civil society is digging into it and explaining that there was no due process followed. And you can, As you can imagine, if you're going to sell the country's strategic oil reserves, you first of all get the best possible price, i.e. put it out to tender. There was no tender. Secondly, you get the permission. You have to get the permission of the Ministry of Finance, Treasury. There was no uh, um, uh, treasury involvement whatsoever. And thirdly, because it's such an important uh, aspect of your economy, the Minister of Finance themselves has to actually sign off on the deal. That didn't happen. The deal went through the office of Tina Jim at Peterson, who was a, uh, a pretty weak, to, to be kind to her, uh, energy minister uh, in the Zuma cabinet. And, and that was the uh, she signed off on it 
and it happened. And the 10 million barrels were sold at 20, we think $26 a barrel. Uh, Outer is saying $31 a barrel. But anyway, that compares with 60 or over $60 a barrel today. So the loss to the South African taxpayer is 4.5 billion rand. But what's happening now is the Central Energy Fund, having rid itself of uh, the bad actors and civil society, are going to court to get the original transaction overturned. So Glencore's got the contracts. It purchased the oil. It has made 4.5 billion rand, Glencore and others, at the expense of the South African taxpayer. But now the South African taxpayer is saying it was an illegal deal. You were buying stolen goods. Uh, and if you follow the, the law, if you buy a motor vehicle that has been stolen, so you buy a motor vehicle from someone else, which they had stolen from, uh, from the true owner, when you take possession of that vehicle and the true owner comes along, you have to give it back to the true owner. That is, you cannot deal in stolen goods. That's the point of law that's being followed here, that the South African strategic oil reserves, because they did not follow due process of the law, uh, of, the, of the country's law, were actually stolen goods and the country should get it back. It's a very, very important case, not just because four and a half billion rand is at stake. Yeah, fascinating and a really good example of how something that everybody thought was was lost, right, was set in stone, but that's the end of the story. Uh, actually, there are legal processes that we can go back, look at what happened, find a way to turn that around and in the end, you know, uh, save taxpayers or reimburse taxpayers for these, these lost revenues. And I think that is and should be very encouraging to South Africans. And it's not the only example of where um, thoughtful minds in both government and civil society are looking at things that have happened in the past and trying to find ways to not only punish the wrongdoers, but also like get the money back, which ultimately is a very important yeah, part of it. Um, so, for example, this week there was um, some uh, comments out from SARS saying that they're really going to go after those who uh, may have uh, dodged taxes or, or made off with uh, illicit revenues. Mm. And, and good for SARS and good for Mark Kingon. Mark Kingon was the uh, acting commissioner. He's been with SARS for decades. He hung in there despite the Moyani era. I don't know how he managed to do it, but he did. And he is he, – he then, when he was not made commissioner, often when someone has been acting and is, it was really their career ambition, they didn't get the top job. Off they go, certainly in the private sector. But this is a he, – he's a guy who's really committed to, to serving and, and aligns with what Pravin Gordon often told us that when he went to SARS uh, to spend his 10 years there as the commissioner, he instilled in the organization a belief that they were acting in a higher purpose. And certainly Mark Kingon was acting in a higher purpose. He didn't leave in a half when Ed Kieswetzer came, uh, came in to become the, the new commissioner. Mark stuck around, continued to, to do his work, and now has been, I suppose, rewarded in a way by being put in part uh, in, in charge of what has got to be the most exciting job at the revenue services, which is going after the crooks. So this is really relevant because when Moyani arrived, one of the first things he did, and we now know that he was terribly tainted, uh, one of the first things he did was shut down the investigations unit, apart from the fake news that went in the Sunday Times and, and that awful chapter in the history of South African journalism. But what he did 
at that point in time was to protect uh, miscreants and particularly those producing illicit cigarettes. Now, cigarettes are a very, very profitable place to be if you are not paying the duties on them because the duties, the taxation is around 50% of the price of the cigarette. So you can imagine if your normal margin, say, in a packet of cigarettes is 10%, uh, once you don't pay any duties, that shoots up to 60%. So it becomes very lucrative for uh, criminals. And they clearly buy uh, power or, or influence in places of power. And you can see this. It's, it, you, it's not that difficult to join the dots and see what's going on here, why there's so much squealing from certain uh, political players about what's going on at South African Revenue Services. Because what SARS are doing, and what they were doing, was attacking the illicit cigarette trade. Then they were shut down by Moyani. Now they're going back after the uh, illicit cigarette trade, who are the people who are funding uh, certain certain squealers in, in uh, high places. So just join the dots and you can see. Having Mark King on running that unit is going to be a uh, – you've probably got the best possible person on earth uh, to do that job. And you can be sure that he will be bringing back in or leaning heavily on some of those who in the past did very good work for SARS in that area. It's great news, and it's yet another sign of progress in, in Cyril Ramaphosa's long game, the long game of – of unpacking uh, uh, and, and unraveling these very deep and dark chains of profiteering at the public expense, which were allowed to be instigated during the Zuma era. Yeah, and it's also, I think, such an important reminder that um, even though at some point it seemed like everybody in government service was, you know, just in it to line their own pockets, that they all throughout this time, throughout those 10 last years, uh, there were actually still people who were hanging in there who were trying to do what was right. And now they're being given an opportunity to do that, right, where before they may have been shunted aside and, and marginalized and whatnot. Now they're they're sort of getting their opportunity to shine, even though, you know, they've been there the whole time. And that's a, an encouraging thing to keep in mind for South Africans is that it's not a blanket. The state, it's not the case that there's a sort of blanket lot of bad eggs in government, but actually there's some people who there with really the public's best interest at heart. I would, I would argue that the majority, the vast majority of public servants are there to serve. And there are many examples of the point that you've just made. You think about the VBS, the Vendor Building Society scandal. One of the, or a number of the municipalities did not go in because there was somebody at the municipality who said, I'm not prepared to sign this off. And although the mayor then tried to fire these people, they went through processes to make sure that that municipality in particular didn't lose the tens of millions that the other corrupted municipalities did. You had also with VBS, the, the whole thing would have changed. We would not, still not have known about that Ponzi scheme were it not for a very brave person at Transnet, uh, one of the financial managers there who stood up against right in just before the, uh, the, the um, change in, in the watershed moment on the 18th of December uh, 2017 when Sora won the elective conference. Just before that, they tried to force through, push through 
a deal where billions would be put into Vanderbilt or VBS by Transnet and thus keep the Ponzi scheme going. There was someone there who blew the whistle. Similarly, at South African Airways, there have been people who've blown the whistle, not least the whole board, that half the board that walked out uh, seven years ago. And many of these instances, however, they're the Mark Kingons and others like him who fought from within the tent. And we should never forget this, that South Africa's institutions and South Africa's core, the core values of this country, were put under enormous stress. And they've held. They've held. And they have ejected. Uh, the, the, the antibodies have actually kicked out uh, the bad elements. And we get, we get sometimes confused by this, by the, the, the noise in the media. But in reality, things have turned in this country, and they've turned very, very significantly it takes a lot time, a long time for uh, the, the, the cancer to be excised from the system, the muck to be swept away. And while the muck is, is being swept away, it's going to scream and shout as loudly as possible to try and hold back uh, the inevitable. And I truly believe it is an inevitable time. That's all we have time for. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to read a transcript of this interview, one is available on biznews.com. That's up in the premium section. Uh, don't forget you can sign up for premium. It's just five pounds a month, and that is going to give you access to the Wall Street Journal and, of course, to all our great content. Thanks.